Welcome to the Believe in Colorado podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Howell, and some of you may know me from my coverage of the Colorado Buffaloes for buffzone.com. I'm looking forward to this adventure uh, with the Believe in Colorado podcast. Uh, this is the first episode of the podcast, and there's a lot to get to today, including some interviews I was able to do last week in Los Angeles at Pac-12 Media Day with head coach Carl Durrell, right guard Casey Roddick, and inside linebacker Robert Barnes. Obviously, it's been a summer filled with off-the-field news, mainly around the Buffaloes. The decision by UCLA and USC to leave the Pac-12 in 2024 is, of course, the big news of the summer. That leaves CU and the rest of the Pac-12 in limbo, looking ahead to the future. What does the future hold for the Buffs? In short, I don't know, uh, and I don't think anyone knows at this point. Uh, We'll likely get more into that as time goes on, but to touch on it briefly here in this podcast, uh, I think there are clearly a lot of scenarios that would impact the buffs, you know, such as, you know, will the Big Ten come after Oregon, Washington, and maybe some uh, other teams, you know, Stanford and Calvin mentioned uh, as possibilities for the Big Ten in that group. Uh, You know, how serious is Arizona about bolting for the Big 12? And if they do that, uh, you know, could ASU, CU, Utah join them? You know, what ultimately is the value of the Pac-12's media rights? That's something that's still being figured out right now by the Pac-12, and that's going to take uh, months to figure out at this point. So all of those things will impact what happens with CU in the future. There's been a lot of criticism among fans for CU and Athletic Director Rick George being reactive instead of proactive in this situation. But to be honest, I'm not sure what fans want to see Rick George do that is proactive at this point. CU, especially on its own, is not going to the Big Ten or SEC. Those are the big dogs, and the buffs aren't attractive to those conferences, especially on their own. So that essentially leaves them with writing things out in the Pac-12 for now or jumping ship to the Big 12. And ultimately, CU might wind up in the Big 12, but to do so right now is not the right move, in my opinion. Uh, The Buffs, along with the rest of the Pac-12, they need to find out what their value as a conference is first. Uh, It would be a bad look for the Buffs to jump to the Big 12 right now, only to find out later it could have made more money uh, in the Pac-12. So I think the Buffs are are, uh, right now, uh, they're okay if they're not uh, proactive right now. And, and that's a bad thing to say. They are being proactive. They're, they're actively having discussions about what's going on, but you don't need to jump ship uh, to show that you're being proactive. Uh, I know some fans are worried about the buffs are going to get left behind. I don't see that happening. I do believe that if the Big Ten comes calling again uh, and poaches, say, Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford, the CU and a few others can then make the move to the Big 12. But for now, uh, I think it's the right move to stand pat and see where this thing is going. Um, as for football, the Buffs are back on the field. Fall camp opened on Tuesday, and we will certainly talk about that as camp goes along. But for today, we're going to preview camp a bit with some interviews from Media Day. Of course, there will be a lot of focus on some key position battles, and there are several for the Buffs. Uh, At the top of the list is quarterback. 
you know, and I'll get more into this one on the next podcast after we get a chance to talk to the quarterbacks. But it is essentially a two-man race between Brendan Lewis and JT Shrout. Lewis started all 12 games last year and struggled quite a bit as a freshman. He also showed some good signs. Really loved his toughness, you know, especially late in the year as he got just beat up throughout the year. So he's got some very good qualities, uh, but was a young player. Uh, JT Shrout is coming off of the injury, the knee injury that, uh, you know, he suffered in fall camp last year, never got a chance to play. Uh, so, you know, those two are going to battle it out. Regardless of who starts, the Buffs need better play out of their quarterback this year. And uh, like I said, I'll get more into that on the next podcast um, because we get a chance to talk to the quarterbacks this week. Uh, cornerback is another big position battle for this team. Both of last year's starting corners, Makai Blackman and Christian Gonzalez, are playing elsewhere in the Pac-12. Uh, Makai at USC and Christian at Oregon, of course. There is not much experience in this group, but there is a lot of young talent. Junior Nigel Bethel was having a really nice season last year before a knee injury ended his season uh true sophomores kaylin moore and nico reed got their feet wet and the staff loves the potential of those guys as well as the four true freshmen in the mix Uh, they've got a lot of young talent um, in that group just not a whole lot of experience but it's gonna be interesting to see how that shakes out and who winds up being the top two corners Uh, sticking with defense Inside linebacker is an intriguing battle. Nate Lamon has obviously graduated and moved on. Quinn Perry is back as a full-time starter. Um, and Robert Barnes is back after a solid year last year. The Buffs also added Josh Chandler Samito uh, from the transfer portal. He led West Virginia in tackles a year ago. And I've got to think he's an instant starter um, on this defense uh, in, in the 4-3 defense. I, I think Josh is probably going to be right in the middle of that. Uh, but we'll see on that one. Uh, Barnes is an, is an intriguing because he came to see you a year ago from Oklahoma and I think a lot of people expected more out of him he didn't really take off until the end of the season after Lama was hurt but he looks great physically and he's primed for a big year you know I, I caught up with him at media day uh, to, to talk about uh, the media day experience his leadership and a bit about the linebacker position I've been enjoying it. It's been a blessing being out here. Uh, it's my first media day, so just being out here in L.A., getting to know all these players, coaches, and just it's getting me excited for this season. So the fact that you were picked to be one of the two representatives means that you're a leader on this team, and we know you are, but this is, that kind of confirms it, right? So uh, give me your thoughts on you know your leadership and kind of what it means to you to um, not necessarily be picked to be here, but for what that means to be here. Um, you know, I, I take a lot of pride in, in that leadership title, and I think that, um, you know, I'm a guy that likes to lead by example, um, you know, whether that's showing up an hour before our workouts to, you know, get some extra work in or staying an hour after, um, just being a, a, a representation of what, you know, hard work is to these younger guys, and I think that that's what, that's the type of stuff it's going to take um, for this, you know, kind of team to shift the culture. Um, and to create a standard that, you know, you feel uncomfortable if you're not putting that amount of work in, if you're not, you know, doing those type of things. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, my, my goal is to, and this, I know the senior class's goal is to leave this team better than, you know, we found it basically. And um, to create a level of, you know, focus to where we change the trajectory of the Colorado football program. And I know we can. We have the players that do it. Um, and, you know, we have the work ethic behind it. Um, but, you know, now it's time to, you know, don't talk about it and go show it. 
I just thought of this as you were talking, but your former head coach is here. <laughs> He's in the Pac-12 now, Lincoln Riley. Um, have you had a chance to talk to him here? Yeah, I did. I talked to him this morning. <laughs> you know, it was, it, it was brief, but I, I got nothing for, but love for Coach uh, Coach Riley and that whole staff. Um, you know, I'm excited to play him November 10th. How weird is it that he is uh, in this conference now at USC and not at Oklahoma? It, it, it was it was kind of weird. I, like it was it was a. I feel like I still haven't you know fully grasped it. I think just talking to him, he still was Oklahoma's coach to me. He was my old Oklahoma coach. So um, I don't think I've grasped that element. I don't think that'll happen until we actually play him. But um, you know, I'm, I'm excited for him. Excited for his family. So. Speaking of Oklahoma, you came here last year from Oklahoma, um, had played several seasons there. You started a lot of games. Uh, I think in, in some people's minds, it's like, oh, you're coming from Oklahoma, which has been really good. You're going to come in and be a star at CU right away. There's an adjustment period, though, right? I mean, talk about your adjustment because it wasn't really until the end of the season that you kind of got in that starting lineup and you played your best football at the end, right? Um, tell me about the adjustment, and was it harder than maybe you thought it would be? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it was harder than I thought it would be. I think the adjustment came from safety to linebacker. I think it it was, you know, learning how to play a different position, um, learning how to play that close to the ball and just understanding tendencies of, you know, what a linebacker is looking for. Um, and I think that, like you said, towards the end of the season, I caught that confidence and I was able to, you know, go play the level of football that I was capable of playing. But it just took slowing down the game and, um, you know, being able to obtain that confidence I had at safety and, you know, flying around and, you know, making those plays that I knew I was capable of making. It was just the game was so fast at, at one point that I had to just slow it down. How much of that towards the end of the season, uh, Nate was out, obviously, Nate Lamman, um, and they needed you, right? You had to go play. Uh, so did that was that part of it in that you knew that I'm going to get to play a lot here and I can just go fly around and play rather than maybe looking over your shoulder. If I don't play well, they're going to pull me out. Well, no, I think that, I mean, throughout the entire season, it was, we had different packages. So I know from the outside, it, it might have looked like, oh, he's, you know, he's not playing. But, um, you know, in, in most of those games, it was, it was coming down to what that other team lined up in, whether we'd be a nickel or whatever the case is, right? So, you know, in five of the games that maybe, like I said, I didn't start, I could have if they came out in a different personnel, right? So I think that my preparation never changed because any of those games, I could have played the entire game. Um, and, you know, even with, with Nate getting hurt, that I was never, you know, that, that never changed my position. So um, I think that at the end of the day, we just needed a playmaker. Nate, Nate made a lot of plays. And uh, if anything, it changed my mindset of not necessarily change, but now I got to go make those plays. We got to have a playmaker. Um, and we can't just be a whole bunch of play managers out there just managing the game. Like, we need a playmaker that's going to go make plays. So how excited are you for this year? You know, Nate's graduated. Um, so, uh, you know, you are one of the leaders. Quinn Perry's there. So there's some experience. And then you bring in Josh, uh, you know, from West Virginia. Um, I mean, there's – and there's some young guys with some talent too. So this linebacker group may be better than people think. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I think a lot better than people think. I think that we have um, one of the deepest cores um, in college football. Um, and I think that – Adding Josh allows a level of athleticism um, and adds, adds a level of, you know, just, uh, you know, veteran football play. He made a lot of plays at West Virginia. And um, I think that we have guys that, you know, in the depth, Owen Carey, Marvin Ham, that, you know, are excited to play, eager to go make those plays. Um, and I think our edge guys, T-Lane, Guy Thomas, I think that, you know, we have a lot of veteran guys that I think people aren't understanding how much football that they've played and 
how much is riding on this year. It's like every it's our last year, so you know on a, on defense we're gonna give every single thing we have every game, and we're gonna go take take a lot of a lot of wins from people. Your first impression of Josh Chandler Smito as a as a as a player and as a person as you got to meet him. Um, I mean, again, it was funny because you know Oklahoma and West V haven't always been the best of friends. Um, but I think the first time we met, we joked about, I told him I'd never lost to West V and, you know, it was that whole big 12 talk, but I think more importantly, um, just his work ethic. I think that, um, just watching how hard he works and it was, it was a joy to see me get there at 7am and he's there with me, you know, and that wasn't, I mean, that was him. Like that was, I didn't tell him to, and like, we just show up early at the same time. And I think that was, that already built that chemistry. Like I got a guy that's riding with me and he's going to work, you know, just as hard as me as well. I really like the leadership that Robert Barnes uh, brings to this team. Uh, I think he's going to be a much better player than he was last year. Uh, you know, his head coach uh, from Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley, uh, was out at Media Day because he's now the head coach at USC. Um, had a chance to talk to Lincoln about Robert, and he was impressed with the way he's remade his body and uh, you know converted himself from a safety to a linebacker. So uh, I'm interested to see how Robert does. Um, I think he's going to be, uh, like I said, a, a better player this year for the buffs and uh you know he looks great physically so so we'll see you know once we get into camp and into the season but moving on to offense i think in addition to quarterback there are two areas i'll really be watching in terms of position battles here in preseason camp number one is receiver where the buffs lost a lot of talent uh brennan rice now at usc dimitri stanley's at iowa state they lost a few other guys uh, for depth purposes as well they did add R.J. Sneeds from Baylor in the transfer portal. Um, he is unavailable at the start of camp, um, dealing with an injury that he suffered during the spring game. Uh, but uh, the Buffs believe that uh, he'll be ready to go soon, um, you know, possibly by the end of camp. So, um, but he'll miss uh, at least the first part of camp uh, as they wait for him to get back. Uh, so, senior Daniel Arias um, had a big spring. You know, I think he could be a breakout candidate. Only 28 career catches. I know we've kind of been waiting on him throughout his career to really break out. Maybe this is the year. Uh, I really like what I heard from him out of spring, and uh, you know, with a new head or with a new receiver coach, Phil McGagan, he's really taken to him quite well. So um, I think he's a leader uh, in that receiver group. So it'll be interesting to see what he does if he can continue, continues that here in the fall. Uh, Montana Lamonius Craig is in for a big year, in my opinion. I really like the young talent, including Chase Penry and Ty Robinson. Uh, I'm hearing a lot that uh, true freshman Jordan Tyson is turning heads this summer as well, and they got several true freshmen in here. So receiver is going to be an interesting battle to see, you know, who really you know slots into those positions and who you know winds up being the key guys catching passes for this team this year. The other key spot, of course, is the offensive line. That group struggled mightily last year, as we all know, uh, and that certainly impacted uh, the performance of Brendan Lewis uh, throughout the year at quarterback. But three starters are back with guard Casey Roddick and tackles Jake Wiley and Frank Phillip. The tackles struggled a lot last year, uh, but Wiley was a first-year starter, and Phillip was never really healthy after tearing his labrum in the spring. Uh, so CU is kind of banking on both of those being better this year. I, th- I think that's a big thing to watch in the fall camp is, you know, how does Wiley look? How does Phillip look? 
Are those guys actually better? Have they improved from what they did last season? Tommy Brown came in from Alabama, uh, not quite ready at the start of camp because of injuries, sort of similar to R.J. Sneed, uh, but they're kind of looking at him. He played left guard uh, throughout the spring before he got injured. At center, Noah Fenske and Austin Johnson are battling, and they can both play guard if needed, but it'll be interesting to see which one of them uh, winds up uh, snapping the ball for the buffs. Uh, the key addition on the line, however, is new line coach Kyle Devan. I mean, former coach Mitch Rodriguez was fired seven games into the last season, and this group was just never a fan of his style. They didn't mesh, and, uh, you know, they were kind of lost. I mean, you know, hate to, <laughs> you know, bury uh, Coach Rodriguez, but, you know, you talk to guys, uh, you know, on the coaching staff and on the line, and they were just lost. I mean, they just never took to his coaching style. Uh, they have really taken a coach to Vance so far. They haven't played a game yet with him, but they love him, and we'll see if that pays off. Uh, at Media Day, I caught up with Casey Roddick, the starting right guard last season. Uh, talked about his body change, uh, as well as the offensive line as a group, and his Media Day experience. That's a great experience, but obviously we're here for, for a reason, and, and talk to the media, and exemplify what's happening up in Colorado so I'm excited to excited to show everybody and then also communicate with everybody about about the work that we put in so well, there's so much focus right now on conference realignment NIL all this off the field stuff uh, but you guys are getting ready to get on the field so how excited are you for that very excited I think that this is a new identity being brought to Colorado a new culture that's being being brought through the new offensive offensive coaching staff as well and so and also with Coach Darrell's help but we're really excited. We're, we're, we're very happy to, to show you guys what's, what's going to go on this season. So definitely going to be a different team from last season. So we're, we're really excited. This offensive line, let's talk about it. We talked about it in the spring. Um, you know, didn't have a great year, right? Uh, last year was not a great year uh, for the whole team, but the offensive line struggled for various reasons. We've gone over a lot of those. Yeah. Tell me about the feeling of this offensive line group as you come into camp. Oh, there's a new culture. There's new identity being brought by Coach Devan, and I think that his 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 mentality and, and his and his work ethic has been exemplified through all of us, and so I think in the addition of, of Tommy Brown and then also guys getting a full off season under their belt, Austin Johnson being developed, Frank Phillip is back to where Frank has been because last year, not everybody knows, but Frank was Frank tore his labrum in, in the middle of spring, so he had to come back super fast to get healthy. I didn't have any time to work with Frank and, and develop with Frank either, so and then. So we've had both of our respected off-seasons. Jake Wiley as well. Tommy, I don't know if I mentioned Tommy Brown already. You did, yeah. And then Noah Fenske as well. Those, those are the guys that, I'm, that we're ready to go into battle with and we're ready to, we're ready to fight with. And you and I, uh, we've talked about it before, but you didn't have much of an off-season last year either. No. You know, because of, uh, you know, myocarditis, things like that. You're, you're healthy now. Um, so how, do you, how good do you feel personally right now? I feel great. This is the best I've felt from an, coming off of an off-season since, since almost high school. So um, I'm at 303 pounds right now. I'm I'm down in weight. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm I feel physically physically up to the up to the standard where I hold myself at. And so I think that this is this is going to be a great season in terms of that. Because did you say did you say 303? Yes, sir. Okay, that's way down from where you were. Uh, I mean, tell me what you came in at CU. When I came in to see you, I was 386.7 pounds. Okay. So you're down 83 pounds. Yes, sir. And tell me the difference because, you know, you think about that, maybe some people could lose power or things like that. Tell me the difference in you as an athlete at 303 as opposed to 386. Oh, I think that in terms of an athlete, it's every, every quality that, I've, that I had when I was 250 pounds in, like, high school or, or before that has, has, 
has been plus 10. And so I think that the addition to lose weight but maintain the power, because that, that was a big emphasis when I was speaking with Coach Turley before the offseason, was maintaining the power that I have. And so he's done, him and Coach Sikuski have done a great job in terms of, in terms of where I'm at and where I'm weight and then also where I'm at with my strength as well. Do you feel better just overall as a person oh, at 303? Oh, yeah. My joints feel great. Everything feels great. I feel, I feel in a better mindset and a, and, a, and a clear head. So I think that's definitely something I look forward to. Now, this is important as an offensive lineman. Can you still push people around at 303? No doubt. I mean, with maintaining the power, I think obviously I'm not going to stay at 303, but my goal is to get 310, 312 by the end of camp. And so that's definitely the goal. But at 303 pounds, you can move anybody around with the mindset that you have. Yeah. Regardless of what you end up at, I mean, it's a, it's a huge life change for you and as a player. And so, uh, I mean, that's one of the big things that, you know, people as we're looking ahead to this season, people don't think about, right? Uh, Casey Roddick's in better shape. Frank Phillips' shoulder's better. You know, things like that. This offensive line, there's going to be so much focus on how you guys play. Um, you, know, you mentioned the confidence, but, you know, what, what is it that's different about this group in your mind than maybe last year as far as like uh, just the strengths that they have physically? I think that what we're focused on mainly is obviously taking care of the quarterback to, a, to an extreme level, but and also knowing that each game is presented off of how we play up front. And so knowing that mentality going into every practice has, 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 been, has been important for us in our mindset. And so with veteran leaders like Frank, Tommy, Austin, Jake, myself, Noah, like that's that's what we needed up front last year we didn't really have that sole leader to really bring rally guys together so i think that that's definitely been 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 the difference in the off season so first off as a fellow big guy i'm a little bit jealous of uh casey roddick for figuring out how to lose that much weight um my next time that I talk to him, I need to figure out what his secret is and uh, you know, l- lose some of that weight myself. But um, Casey looks really good. Uh, you know, for those of you uh, you know interested in what kind of player you're going to see there, um, you remember how how big he was early in his career. Uh, he just looks you know really trim and uh, you know, but still a big guy for an offensive lineman. Uh, he's going to be a good player. I think he's going to be potentially one of the breakout guys for the buffs this season but uh, as far as roster this is an interesting team uh, in that it's got a, a good group of seniors and veterans like casey roddick robert barnes brady russell uh, guys like that uh, a lot of leaders but it is loaded with youth of the 118 players on this roster 92 of them which is 78 percent are freshmen or sophomores and i realize that you know that's uh, that's a different way to put it because of the COVID year. Um, some of those sophomores or even some of those freshmen are third or fourth year guys, but if they're freshmen or sophomores, it means they haven't played a whole lot. So uh, there's not a lot of experience, even if they're not technically young, there's just not a lot of experience on this roster. Uh, head coach Carl Durrell, though, likes this roster. And when I caught up with him at media day, he told me that, uh, you know, th- this team is better than people expect. And coming off a four and eight season, you know, Durrell goes into his third season with most people expecting a bad year, but he's confident. And I caught up with him to talk about that. I feel great about the team. I feel like it is our best team. And I, I, I believe this, you know, it, and I'll, I'll express this to my team when they get back, but, you know, I know there's, there's, there's little expectation of us this year. Um, obviously, people 
like us that are in the program, we, we know what's there, and, and there's a lot of people that don't know. They just don't know the, the people we, we, we um, replaced the ones that left with. You know, they, they, they look at players that left as being more of a detriment for us as a, our success than the people that came in. I think it's the opposite. I think it's our best team, and I think you've seen it. Um, so, but it's, it's, it's still, we have to go out there and play and improve, you know, that we are that type of team. And as there's, there's definitely a feeling within our program about, Coach, we're ready to win. What do we need to do to win? And, and that's the attitude that I haven't felt in my first two years here. It was more what I was going to do as a player instead of what we were going to do as a team to win. Now the attitude is, what do we need to do to win? much better so uh, they are human though and as things come out that show hey Colorado's projected last in the conference the magazines are coming out saying last things like that do you have to guard against that and, and tell the guys say don't worry about that you you, you know what you are and I, yes exactly that's exactly the message and, and then you need to kind of you know they, they see that and they know that but I was actually talking with Robert and was with, with Casey about that very issue to this morning and they said coach we're, we understand it we're good you know, he said, but a year ago, that might have been different. You know, people read into it and think we'll probably believe in that. But I think our team right now, they're, they're really pretty strong. And they're pretty committed to each other, and they know that we have a chance to be really good. For this, for this team, coming off of the year that you had last year, I know it was a disappointing year. Um, how, how important is that feeling that these guys bond together? And that's what, that's what the prognosticators don't understand this and how much a team comes together so how important is that for your success this year for these guys to bond together it's probably as as important as anything you know we we wanted a committed team and then we know that the stronger we are as a, as a whole it's going to allow for us to be as good as we need to be on the field and and that's kind of the 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 philosophy we've been talking about over the springtime and summer and you know, we know that we're going to be youthful and there's some inexperience in some areas and stuff, but we, we're very confident that that inexperience is going to be a, a very good advantage for us, you know, over time, you know, as, he, as they gain experience, you know, like what Nico Reed and some of those guys have done in the past. We just think that we have the, you know, we, we have more talent than we've had. It's just it, no one knows what that talent is. So in a lot of ways, it's, it's a really good thing to kind of come from, to come out of, because, but, but people are going to eventually see the, the quality of our team, you know, in a short period of time. So you listen to those remarks from Coach Durrell, and clearly, you know, he likes the talent that's here. But it, they're also going to lean on a lot of young guys and, you know, take that final comment uh, you know, where he says, hey, eventually, you know, this is going to be a good team. You know how how far away is eventually? Is that this season? Is it next season? Uh, we're going to find out. But uh, you know he believes there's a lot of talent here, so we'll see. You know what happens with this team uh, as we go forward. You know throughout camp and throughout the season. But uh, media day was uh, on Friday uh, in Los Angeles last week, and uh, on Thursday the preseason media poll was announced. The bus were projected for a last place finish, and it really wasn't that close uh, between them and 11th place Arizona. Uh, a little bit surprising. Arizona won in 23 in its last 24 games and got uh, um, just pounded by the bus uh, last year in Boulder. Uh, but uh, to me, a lot of that is perception. And, you know, the, the, uh, 
Arizona Wildcats and Coach Jed Fish have done a great job, kind of uh, you know winning PR battles and uh, you know doing some good things in the transfer portal and in recruiting. So I think a lot of that is that. Uh, but uh, you know the last place finish or pro- projection for the Buffs uh, was no surprise. You know most of the magazines have put the Buffs at the bottom as well, uh, considering the losses in the transfer portal, the disappointing season last year, uh, and really. You know, frankly, you know the lack of belief by a lot of people in, in head coach Carl Durrell. Um, you know, it's easy to see why the Buffs are picked at the bottom. But you know, Roddick told me, you know, the Buffs uh, just aren't worried about that. I mean, they're not focused on what everybody else thinks about them. I mean, it's motivational. I mean, obviously, when you're picked last for anything in life, you should be you should be thinking about what you're doing wrong. But I think that it adds a level of maturity to our team. How can we deal with adversity? But you got to play to a standard regardless of what it is. Either if you're number one or you're number 12, you got to play to a standard of what you hold yourself accountable for. So, I mean, being last isn't, isn't anything new in what, we're, what, we've, what we've seen in terms of the media, but we're, we did, they saw that in 2016, but we're, ready to, we're ready, to, ready to work, most importantly. What, in your mind, gives you some confidence that this team is going to be better than what people think? I think that maturity, that maturity aspect is a huge thing. And I feel, I feel like that's, that's at whatever program you're at, maturity is huge. I think that our physical development is huge. I think that our mental development is, 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 is brought forth tenfold. So, and then obviously the additions on the offensive side of, well, you got a new entire offensive staff. We, I mean, Brian, you know, we were dead last in terms of offensive efficiency and we still won four games. So... We score one touchdown against a couple of teams in our, our last year's game. We win the games, and we go 75. So a lot of team, a lot of people don't look at it. And in terms of defensive side of the ball, I mean, we, we didn't have Nate. Mark was hurt last year, and then, and then Gonzo and Kai didn't really play at the end of the game, at the end of the years, or at the end of the season, sorry. And, and we still won games. And so I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't look at. They look at the end score rather than who was playing during those games. This is a great time of year. Obviously, it's early August, and the confidence is high for the Buffs as it is every year at this time. Frankly, that's the case for every team, and it should be that way. Why play if you don't believe you can win, right? Uh, but the Buffs, uh, you know, they've got some confidence. They've, I've felt it since the spring. They've got sort of this quiet confidence, and you know, maybe it's uh, trying to rally together after you know what was kind of a tumultuous off season. Uh, but uh, we'll see how it unfolds with this team. There are clearly some major question. Marks on this roster and with the program as it all plays out in fall camp. I'll be here breaking it down and talking about this team as it prepares for the 2022 season and, of course, into the 2022 season. But for now, that's a wrap on the first episode of the Believe in Colorado podcast. Again, I'm Brian Howell. I cover the buffs for buffzone.com, so check out my coverage there as well. But for now, thank you so much for tuning into our first episode. We've got more great stuff ahead, so I'll see you next time on the Believe in Colorado podcast.